0: Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. On today's podcast, we're going to spend some time reviewing my league's draft, including my decision making process, the picks from my fellow managers that I liked and didn't like, and I'll talk to one of my fellow league mates about his strategy and some of the picks he made. Let's get into it. I'm taking a break this week from statistical analysis to review my league's draft, which we did uh, last Saturday, hoping for the MLB to resume at some point. In past episodes of the podcast, I've discussed draft strategies, so I stuck with my guns. I used my customized spreadsheet, and I got to work. I'm mostly happy with my team. There were some mid round picks I'm I'm not so happy with, but for the most part. I'm glad I was able to follow my strategy and field a hopefully winning team. First, let me give you some details about my league. We're an eight team league, which a lot of people may scoff at and say things like, well, everyone must be a super team or is it even competitive? And I always say yes. In fact, because every team is full of good players, it it makes it more difficult to win and anybody can win any week um you know there there's never really a team that just runs away and nobody's ever out of it um you know it's it's also a lot more difficult to to let players go and, and you know work the waiver wire because everybody on your team is is a good player um so there is some difficulty there in roster construction that you might not think of when you think of an 8 team league Um, And, you know, I think there are definitely some bonuses to playing in smaller leagues. Another caveat for my league is that each team also gets four keepers to hold over into the following year. There's no limits to how long you can own your players. And in the draft, the keepers are automatically populated uh, on our rosters for the first four rounds. And the draft order in our league is the reverse order of the final standings from the year before, so the worst record from the previous year drafts first. I was the third pick in this year's draft, and my keepers were Bellinger, who ESPN fantasy let me keep at first base, surprisingly. Uh with with players that have multiple position eligibility, they tend to kind of force them into the, the first list of position, and Bellinger is listed as, as an outfielder. Um so I also kept Yelich, Trey Turner, and Rendon. Uh, Rendon I traded for uh, about a week before the draft. I gave up Springer, Bieber, and Bogarts to get him. Um, You know, I I wasn't gonna keep Bieber, Springer, and Bogarts uh, over over the other guys, and uh, you know, trying to trying to choose one of them to pick was seeming difficult. So I tried to find a trade partner who needed some extra keepers uh who you know might wanted to might might have wanted to take mine um so i was anticipating bellinger like i said being forced into an outfield slot by espn so i'd been going about my mock drafts under that assumption uh selecting first base with my first pick out of the keeper rounds and i'd been targeting anthony rizzo who actually ended up going in round six so two rounds after the keeper rounds Uh, My first pick was actually Jose Altuve, who I'm counting on to have a solid average and hit for some power. His counting stats have been declining, but he's still very good, very productive. And then in order, the picks in the first non-keeper round went Jose Ramirez, Verlander, Altuve, Strasburg, Machado, Albies, Jordan Alvarez, and Clevenger. Not really any surprises there. The next round followed with Goldschmidt, Meadows, Corbin, Rizzo, Luis Castillo, Charlie Morton, my pick, uh, Judge, and Catel Marte. My thought in selecting Morton was that I needed a stud pitcher, someone to lock down my rotation and give me good ERA and a good amount of strikeouts, especially after locking down my infield with uh, Jose Altuve. I love Luis Castillo, so I was disappointed to see him go the pick before me. I'd have picked him ahead of Morton. I also had Corbin high on my draft list, but he was gone too. Um, I'm happy with Morton, even though it doesn't necessarily sound like it. Uh, In terms of my fellow managers, I had Rizzo higher ranked than Goldschmidt, so that pick surprised me a little. Um, And I think the team that selected Catel Marte was going without field there no matter what, and I think he was probably hoping Meadows fell to him. So Marte may have ended up being a little reach, but, you know, he did have the wraparound picks because it's a snake draft, and he got Kershaw with the first pick in round seven, so it's kind of hard to argue with what he did there. Round seven and eight followed with Kershaw, VR Gallo, my pick, Vlad Jr., Snell, Josh Bell, Olson, Ozuna, Paddock, Eloy Jimenez, Stanton, Rosario, Abreu, my pick, Tommy Pham, uh, Nelson Cruz, and Keston Hira. I've never drafted Joey Gallo before, and it could be risky if his batting average plummets again, but he looked like he changed something in his approach last year before getting hurt. He was having a ridiculously good season, and that's the Gallo I'm hoping for in 2020. I also wanted to start filling in my outfield positions, and my strategy this year is to win the three power stats for batting each week, even if it means sacrificing some average. Gallo helps with that, although my team batting average could be buoyed by guys like Rendon, and Altuve, and Jelic. I considered going pitcher uh, instead of outfield, but I didn't like anyone available at the time. Yeah, Snell's range of outcomes is too wide for me, and Paddock could be great for ERA, but um, you know the strikeouts there weren't. He he didn't have this. He doesn't have the potential for strikeouts that I was looking for at that point in the draft. Um. So I went fam with my next pick in round eight. Yeah, he's the guy with twenty twenty potential, which I like. He's in a good lineup in San Diego. I like him more than Castellanos, who is also available. And although Eugenio Suarez and Matt Chapman were available, I went for a player at a position I needed to fill rather than adding another corner outfielder. Rounds 9 and 10 went Castellanos, Nola, Granky, who was my pick, Moncada, Matt Chapman, Giolito, Maryfield, Eugenio Suarez, Hayter, Mondesi, Lemayhew Kirby Yates, Tim Anderson, Darvish, my pick, Realmuto and Semyon. I was going back-to-back pitching here no matter what. Um, my plan this year was to draft a lot of stud relievers and attempt to win saves, ERA, and whip each week. So I wanted to get two more solid starters here before switching to relievers and getting the, the rest of my bats. My hope was that Giolito would last until round 10, where I'd been selecting him in mock drafts, but that wasn't the case here. Um, In hindsight, I wish I had drafted Giolito in round 9 instead of Granke. I'm really happy with Darvish, though, in round 10. Um, He started to turn it around in the second half last year, and despite one extremely rocky start last season, he was pretty good. Between him and Granke, my hope was to balance out strikeouts and ERA. Um, in round 10, we also had our first. We had our first reliever and our first catcher, uh, Hayter and Real Mudo. There were a couple of picks here that I think are a little bit risky. Um, LeMayhu has been consistently one of the best hitters for batting average year after year, but last season his power numbers spiked. And it'll be interesting to see if it was, you know, a one-year aberration, like um, you know, Elvis Andrews a couple of years ago or if it was the real deal. Still, I wouldn't have drafted him there. Uh, Muncy, Moustakas, and Lux were all available at that you know at, at second base, and I think they could all end up being ranked higher than LeMahieu at the end of the season. I also thought that Tim Anderson was a risky selection. He, he had a good statistical season last year, but I mentioned him in past episodes of the podcast about how the sabermetric data doesn't really back up what he did. Um, you know, he's a prime, prime regression candidate for this year. Hey, he could be absolutely terrible this season if the ball doesn't bounce his way. Um, Correa, Simeon, uh, Seeger, and DeYoung were all available. And I think they're, they're all going to be better than Tim Anderson this year. So for rounds 11 through 14, you had Bauer, Soler, Aroldis Chapman, who was my pick, Uh, Gary Sanchez, McNeil, Muncie, Woodruff, Jansen, Mustakis, Beau Bichette, Conforto, Glasnow, Otani, uh, Osuna, who was my pick, uh, Correa, Benintendi, Carrasco, Brantley, Liam Hendricks, who I picked, Victor Robles, Schwarber, Hoskins, Lizardo, Taylor Rogers, Sano, Berrios, Kluber, Franmil Reyes, Lancelin, Ramon Loriano, my pick, Eduardo Escobar, and Carlos Santana, and I think my strategy was obvious here. I wanted to snag some of the top relievers, and I did so with Chapman Osuna and Hendricks. I got another potential twenty twenty bat from my outfield in Ramon Loriano. and through fourteen rounds, I feel really good about my team. I still had another outfield spot to fill. Um, you know, I, I needed to fill my utility catcher and middle and infield, middle and corner infield spots. But I, I was in a good position. Um, a lot of players I like were taken in these rounds. I, I love the Soler pick. I think he has a ton of upside. Um, Muncy, Woodruff, Glasnow, Correa, Brantley, Robles, Hoskins, Lizardo, Reyes, Lynn, and Escobar. Escobar, I thought, were all drafted well. Um, Lazardo is a great snag. He could be lights out for Oakland. Uh, Lance Lynn has a lot of upside after what he did last season. I've talked about Fran Reyes on the podcast. He's another great pick here in the, in the, uh, mid rounds. He has huge power potential. Um, Glasnow and Woodruff have great pitching upside this year. Escobar, I thought could have been drafted three or four rounds earlier and he would have been a great pick then. I think he's a steal in these rounds. You know, this was a, a, a really good, um, a couple of rounds here although you know uh, taking Trevor Bauer here he, he's somebody I'll, I'll never draft um, he's only had one good year and for somebody who is as smart about baseball as he is you would think that his stats would be a little bit better Um Beau Bichette I've talked about on the podcast as well I think he's going to be good a year or two down the line but you know in in these rounds i it, i wouldn't have picked him here i would have, he would have been you know around 20 to 25 guy for me um where i would have just left him on the waiver wire um otani i don't understand the hype he is always injured he doesn't do enough on either side of the ball to be productive and then Schorber, who you know he's just somebody i've never really gotten behind as a good fantasy player so those were some of the picks I, I questioned in these rounds. In rounds 15 to 20, uh, we saw Encarnacion, Gray, Kepler, my pick, Lux, Brad Hand, uh, Frankie Montas, Nick Anderson, Grandal, Eaton, Yuli Gurriel, Luis Ro- uh, Robert, Robert, uh, Robbie Ray, Soroka, Corey Seeger, who is my pick, uh, Biggio, Giles, Rizel Iglesias, Crone, Edwin Diaz, my pick, Chris Davis, DeYoung, Brian Anderson, Lords Guriel, uh, Gallegos, McCullers, Brian Reynolds, Paxton, uh, Peterson, Daniel Hudson, Justin Turner, who is my pick, Workman, Zach Wheeler, Will Smith, the catcher, and Will Smith, the reliever, who <laughs> went back to back, Garver, who is my pick, Wong, Eduardo Rodriguez, Contreras, Hector Neris, Hansel Robles, uh, Savali, Dahl, Kingery, Salvi Perez, Yastrzemski, Lamet, my pick, JD Davis, and Lorenzo Kane. I'm happy with Kepler completing my outfield. Um, you know, Yelich, Gallo, fam, Loreano, and Kepler is a solid outfield. Uh, I'm satisfied with Seeger filling my middle infield slot, and I got another high upside reliever in Edwin Diaz. Uh, Justin Turner was a panic pick for me. Um, at the time, I still needed to fill my um, corner infield and utility slots as well as catcher. And, you know, Justin Turner has elite batted ball numbers, but can't stay on the field. And he's in a crowded and deep lineup in uh, Los Angeles so looking back, I'm wishing I had picked Garver at, at the point where I picked Turner. Then, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez I would have picked instead of in Garver's position and then filled a bench role with someone else in round 20, saving that corner infield slot for Christian Walker, who I took later on. Um, I'm okay with uh, taking Lamette. I think he's an ERA risk, uh, but he has 200 strikeout potential in a normal season. Um some other picks I love here. Uh Brad Hand, uh Gavin Lux. Uh Sonny Gray. I I'm I'm gonna attempt to trade for him. I was really hoping to draft him. Um he's one of my top sleeper candidates this year. Uh Nick Anderson could be unbelievable as a reliever in Tampa. Um, Eaton. Uh, I thought it was great timing for Luis Robert. Um, you know, he's one of the best prospects in baseball and taking him in the last half of the draft here limits the risk, uh, for the team that drafted him. Robbie Ray is another player I'm going to look into trading to get his strikeout per nine numbers are insane. And, uh, that's going to be one of the first stats that I go over, um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Young, I thought was a great pick here. McCullers, I think he could be one of the best pitchers in baseball this year now that he's healthy. Um, Brian Reynolds, uh, catcher Will Smith, Eduardo Rodriguez, Savali Krohn, and J.D. Davis, um, I all thought were excellent. I'm staying away from both Guriel's though. Yuli because I believe he benefited greatly from the cheating ring in Houston, and Lords because I just haven't really seen enough From him in toronto to trust him in a starting slot on my team Um, brian anderson i think has potential but the production just isn't there and that miami lineup isn't going to help him much in that respect reliever will smith is also a risky pick because uh, melanson is also in atlanta and who gets the saves there is a toss-up you know that could turn out to basically be a wasted pick uh, I was also surprised to see Daniel Hudson get drafted. I think it's more likely that Doolittle gets significantly more saves in Washington, and the team that drafted um, uh, the the team that drafted uh Hudson is also the team that drafted Doolittle uh, I also thought Yaremsky was an odd pick there uh but only because McCutcheon Renfro and Mercado were all available too at outfield. And I see them all finishing better than you Stremski. the last couple of rounds in the draft in, in baseball and in football I think are the most interesting because it's such a it's such a dart throw you you know you're hoping that these players pan out, and it's interesting always to kind of see who goes and who's left. So these rounds went Archie Bradley, Danny Santana, uh, Leclerc, who who is my pick. Britton, Kimbrell, Bumgarner, Julio Urias, uh, Renfro, Gregorius, Brandon Lau, Max Fried, Matt Boyd, Doolittle, Christian Walker, who I picked, uh, Colome, McCutcheon, Ryu, Wilson Ramos, Renato Nunez, who I picked, uh, Howie Kendrick, Caleb Smith, Carlos Martinez, Maeda, Malik Smith, uh, Keone Kella. Uh, Ryan McMahon, Mercado, Starlin Castro, Justin Upton, Hunter Dozier, who I picked, Hosmer, David Price, McKay, Gallen, uh, Odor, who I picked, Givens, Daniel Murphy, Hampson, Christian Vasquez, and Corey Dickerson. A lot of the players selected in these rounds, like I said, are dart throws. You know, they're filling bench spots that you hope pan out for you during the season, Uh, These late rounds are where you want to try to find those high upside guys or maybe even take some risks. Um, In taking uh, LeClerc and Odor, I'm taking risks. LeClerc could end up not being used uh, as the closer in Texas. His ERA could spike or both. Odor is a batting average risk to a point where he may be batting under the Mendoza line. You know, those are two players that could also turn out to be very good and be really useful. Um and be pretty valuable as late-round picks. Um, Christian Walker, who I mentioned earlier, he had elite batted ball numbers last year, so I'm hoping he takes a step forward in production this year. Uh, Renato Nunez was another panic pick as the time wound down on me. I'm really wishing I'd picked Kendrick or Starling Castro or Caleb Smith there. Um, I like them a lot more. Um, I love the Bumgarner uh, uh, selection. Hunter Renfro is a great pick here. Brandon Lau, Matt Boyd and Caleb Smith, I thought were great picks here. Um, Kendrick Mercado, Castro, McKay and Gallen, um, all I thought were great picks. Smith and Boyd may be risky in terms of ERA, but they'll strike out 200 batters in a normal year. Gallen has a lot of upside in Arizona, and McKay is a two-way player that, could actually, um, you know, pan out and be productive on both sides of the ball. I've written, uh, I've uh, spoken about Castro previously, and I think Mercado could hit 2020 next year. Um, Some picks I thought were a little bit too risky, even in the later rounds. Um, Santana, who I I spoke about um, before, he's a prime regression candidate for this year. Zach Britton, uh, I was... uh, um, you know, a little confused by that pick. Hunjin uh, Ryu, who uh, I think last year was a fluke year. Uh, Malik Smith, who's only going to give you steals. Uh, McMahon and Hosmer, who are okay, but that's about it. So the full team I ended up with is uh, Mitch Garver at catcher. Bellinger at first base. He's also outfield eligible. I have Altuve at second, Rendon at third, Trey Turner at short. My corner infield is Justin Turner, and my middle infield is Corey Seager. And outfield, I have Yelich, Gallo, Pham, Laureano, and Kepler. And right now my utility slot is filled by Christian Walker, but I also have uh, Odor, Renato Nunez, and Hunter Dozier on my bench. My starting pitchers are Morton, Granke, Darvish, and Lamette, and my relievers are Chapman, Osuna, Hendricks, Diaz, and LeClerc. So grading my team, I'd give myself a solid A minus, B plus. Um, I followed my strategy looking for power and uh, for the three kind of relief-targeted uh, pitching categories, and I ended top three in all of those in the projected statistics so i put myself in a good position to win each week which is my game plan i think my bench could use some upgrading and i also need more positional flexibility you know i only have one player who is eligible at more than one position Um, but aside from that i'm pretty happy with how things turned out Uh, i am going to be working the waiver wire and i am going to be working the trade market for sure though Um, i'll be right back to talk a little bit more about the draft with one of my fellow managers Today I'm welcoming a fellow former league champ back to the podcast to talk about our league draft. Jeff, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to ask first, did you have like a certain strategy that you were trying to follow when you went into the draft? Like, were you looking for certain types of players or specific players? You know, just what sort of game plan did you have going in?
1: Sure. Uh, So to set the stage, my keepers were... uh... Rafael Devers, uh, Javier Baez, Starling Marte, and Garrett Cole. So my first pick was going to likely be whoever pitcher was tops on the board, and I was really happy with getting Verlander as my number two. Um, My overall strategy, I guess, for every draft that I'm in, I tend to focus much more on, even, even if a league doesn't really, like ours, keep track of the advanced metrics, I really go for guys that, can fill multiple categories. I'm not really going to aim for a guy that's a slugger who's going to hit like a Joey Gallo. I'm not going to go for a guy that hits 230 with 49 home runs, nor am I going to go for a guy that gets you six home runs, but but gets you 30 stolen bases. I really try to get guys that fill a lot of different stats across the board. Um, same thing with uh, with pitchers. Um, I try to get um, people that can get me K's, can get me innings, and can lower my WHIP and my ERA. So generally speaking I don't go for specialists I try to get uh players that are not really going to hurt me in any one category as much as I can
0: yeah that makes sense um and and you know you brought up picking Verlander first what what, you know was was there um you know between him and and Strasburg who are the top pitchers on the board yeah did you have like sort of that you know who am I going to take or was it Verlander all the way
1: It was Verlander all the way for me, which is interesting because he's seven years older than him, but I actually trust Verlander's durability more than I trust Strasburg uh, because Strasburg has only really had two healthy seasons in 10 years of playing. Um, Granted, one of those healthy seasons was last year and he was a beast. Um, But I kind of compare Strasburg a lot of the times to Bryce Harper. I feel like his name carries a little bit more weight than his actual production Mm. and stats. He's still very, very good, but I don't think he's elite and verlanders have been elite since he's gone over to Houston.
0: Yeah, and I think pre Tommy John, you know, that that version of Strasburg if he had stayed healthy yep. and not had the Tommy John, I think we're talking about a different Strasburg that Absolutely. maybe that maybe is better than than he is now cuz he's, you know, had to take off uh, a couple of miles per hour off of his off of his fastball, just changing yep. the delivery to avoid more Tommy John's. But um, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Sure. Um, so you also took um, J.T. Realmudo mm-hmm. as the as the first catcher around pick eighty. Was it your game plan to get him no matter what, or did you just sort of feel like it was the right time to snag a catcher?
1: Yeah, it wasn't him no matter what, but catcher's kind of one of those positions where you can kind of think about it two ways. It's either, well, most catchers suck offensively, so like not getting a good one isn't really going to matter too much, or you can kind of play it with the getting a really good offensive catcher can actually give you be, uh, be a big uh, game changer for you when a lot of people won't have that. So Real Muto was that for me last year, and I wasn't necessarily targeting him, but when he was sitting there in the 10th round, I was kind of like, yeah, I should just jump on this. Um his second half of his Philly season was um, was really really good. He hit uh, 280 with almost the 900 OPS, 15 homers, 41 RBIs. He stole a couple of bases, um, and his season was uh, his this last season was his a personal best for runs, doubles, homers, RBIs, total bases, and walks. So he's only getting better. He's gotten better every single year that he's played, and uh, that was just a no brainer for me in the tenth round.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I think a lot of people, like a lot of the industry experts, are always saying like, wait on catchers, wait on catchers. You can yep. pick one, you know, in as your last pick. Sure, but I think I think it actually makes it more important when you're in a shallower league like ours to to get that productive catcher early Absolutely. because you know we have so many like so many teams already have so many good players that you're going to get stats filled in at all your top positions sure. and to get one of those like top really, really productive catchers, I think is really important. Yep. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've done the whole like wait on catchers and I've just rotated 10 different catchers yeah. throughout the year, just dropping and adding and it. It's so annoying. And then you have to overpay to get a, uh, you know, a legit, you know, le- set it and forget it type mm-hmm. of player. Absolutely. And yeah, I think I think you were right on it. I, I um I did the same thing. Let me pull up my team real quick. Um I ended up picking a catcher early as well, Mitch Garver. Sure. So yeah. same say so I had the same sort of idea. Um, you know, get that get that productive guy.
1: Yeah, in an eight team league like we have, there's pretty much like probably 10-ish catchers that are really going to be, like, difference makers. So it's a little bit different in this league. If we had a 12-team league or, or more, then you could probably say wait on a catcher makes a little bit more sense. But I think in our league, with eight teams, jumping on one makes a little bit more sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you – I thought you had two really – good uh sort of mid to late round picks yeah. in Eduardo Escobar and Carlos Correa. Yep. Were you su- were you surprised they fell to 95 and 111?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll talk about Correa in a second, but Escobar first was he kind of had a season last year where you were kind of like where did that come from even the he, he was like solid in 2017 and 18, but health has been his greatest asset, I think. Uh he probably isn't going to hit 35 homers and 118 ribbies again. But uh, in 2018, he had 23 homers and 84 ribbies. And I would take that from a 14th round pick that can play two positions. So nothing wrong with that. He kind of was one of those, oh yeah, Escobar um, kind of guys. And Correa was funny because during our draft, if you remember, I was commenting on how underwhelming he's been over the last few seasons, mostly due to injury. And then three rounds later, he was still on the board. So I was like, well, <laughs> I'm just guessing, I guess I'm drafted. Really? Um, his speed is gone. Uh, but last year, and granted, it was only half the season, he hit two eighty with 21 homers and 59 RBIs and had a nine twenty six OPS. So if I get three-fourths of a season with similar numbers, I'll be really happy with that with my backup shortstop, you know?
0: Yeah, and, you know, health for him is such a big thing. He's a, he's a good hitter. He's got a great eye, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, if he stays healthy, I mean, it could turn out to be, like, a, a very, very, very good pick. Yeah,
1: it's a 12th-round pick, and that was someone that was probably in a top four or five rounds just a couple of years ago you know
0: yeah that's right yeah you also uh took one of my favorite players from last year and i I think someone who's going to be excellent going forward uh Mm -hmm. in sunny gray Mm -hmm. yeah that was a great pick because to me it really strengthened a strength on your team uh you had cole verlander and nola at that point yeah was was it a plan to like load up on on pitching
1: Yeah, I think my my strategy for pitching most years is that I try to get two, maybe three sure things. And then I try to get a couple of players on my back end of my pitching that are potential rebound candidates, potential under-the-radar guys, breakouts. And Nola is a big rebound candidate. And Gray, I think as soon as he moved out of the AL East, uh, he's reunited with his college pitching coach. He just came off of a career high in strikeouts. I think he could not just only be a great fourth starter. He could possibly be like a number two starter on most teams. So when he was sitting there in the 15th round, that was a no brainer for me as well. Um, and I think that he's another candidate that can kind of be one of those fly under the radar guys. Cause two years ago, he had like a five, six, nine ERA or three years ago, whatever it was. And now that he's out of a, like I said, the really dangerous AL East and he's in the NL Central, although that might not be a thing anymore next year. Um, right. True. He's a, I think he's a really good candidate for having a an, another kind of quote unquote bounce back year.
0: We're uh, we're definitely going to be talking uh, trading for Sonny Gray sometime this season. <laughs> All right. Well, what about uh, relievers? Uh, it looked like you kind of waited on relievers. Was that the plan?
1: Yeah, kind of like you are with uh, with wait on catchers. I wait for relievers. I say never pay for saves. Um, closer's. I feel like rotate. I think they are the most volatile position in in, in the game, probably. Um, not just because of injury, but just because of inconsistency in bullpens. They rotate in and out so frequency so frequently. Excuse me. Uh, depth charts change all the time. So, uh, a top end closer to me is the. I think the difference between the top end closer and the bottom end closer is probably the smallest difference out of any uh, position, in my opinion. Um, To me, my starters get me Ks. They get me innings. They keep my whip and my ERA down hypothetically. So my reliever, even if they give up a run or a walk here or there, as long as they get the save, they did their job. So for me, that's all that really matters for a reliever.
0: So I also wanted to... Get your perspective on two other players you drafted sure. late, and so one of them, I think, is a bit of a regression candidate who had a a good season last year, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Danny Santana, sure. and sure. then uh, Eric Hosmer as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Santana was an interesting thing because, like you said, he just kind of came out of nowhere last year, and he probably got pretty lucky with his uh, with his BABIP. I think it was uh, like abnormally high, but. A guy that has first base and outfield eligibility who can get you over 20 steals is an incredibly rare commodity. So to me, even if he doesn't approach his home run total from last year, if he bats 280, plays first base and get me some steals, that's not going to hurt me in like the whatever round I got him in, like the 17th or 18th round. And Hosmer is kind of like, you know exactly what you're going to get with him as a first baseman. Um, first basemen for me are kind of like relievers. I don't swing too high for them because I think you can get a pretty good replacement later, like CJ Kron, who's my quote-unquote starter. But if Hosmer will get me his normal 20 home runs, 80-something RBIs and bat around 280, that's fine. And I'm going to be fine with that, you know?
0: Makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, what do you see as your strengths going into the season? I I think you have an excellent and maybe the best pitching staff in our league. And you've got a lot of players with positional flexibility yep. what are your uh, what are your thoughts yeah
1: I, I think I agree I think my, my biggest strength is probably starting pitching um Cole Verlander Nola Gray and Zach Gallon is a five that's that's probably the best starting five I've ever had assuming that Nola rebounds to something closer to his 2018 season than last year um I think offensively I don't have any monster sluggers other than Nelson Cruz and who knows this could be the year that he finally decides that he's old um yeah. my, my lowest projected home run t- total in my lineup is my backup catcher with Wilson Ramos with 16. So while I don't have anybody that's a gigantic slugger, everybody's going to get me 20 to 30 something home runs. Um, I think steals are probably my one big weakness. My only people that are projected to have double digit steals are Starling Marte, Jonathan Villar, Kevin Biggio, interestingly, and uh, Santana. So that's probably my one area that I could do a little bit of uh, improvement on the trade block or waiver wire. But overall, I think positional flexibility general um, across the board production offensively for my players and starting pitching is where I'm hoping to get carried this season.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I also think, you know, potentially first base might end up needing to, to be an upgrade, yep. depending on, you know, um, how, how Crone is doing. If he's, if he's batting consistently, if you're getting power out of Hosmer, you know, th- those things can, can end up, kind of biting you and I do think that there are a few guys that you have that are a little bit of injury risks you know the Correa we talked about sure. um, you know Escobar could be Marte we'll see you know things like that uh, but all in all I think you have uh, a, a pretty pretty good team and I'm a little uh I'm a little afraid to play this, this season. I think
1: one of the make or break things on my team is going to be Aaron judge. I ended up getting him in the fifth round because he's been hurt. And if you know, baseball, if, and when baseball comes back, if he's healthy, that could turn out to be a total steal too.
0: Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. All right, man. Well, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Well, that's all for today. Join me next week when I'll begin my series on pitching sabermetric stats to look for and analyze.